listening to the Plugged In Podcast, a new project from the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. I'm Alex Stevens. And I'm Jordan McGillis. Today we're speaking with Christina Pushik, the Director of Policy and Research at the American Consumer Institute. Christina recently published an article at Real Clear Energy with her colleague Alan Daly on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and EPA's joint proposal to freeze the current CAFE standards. CAFE is a topic that we've covered at great length here at IER, but our focus with Christina today will be on the impact of the CAFE standards on consumers. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks, Alex, and thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having, having me. So let's start with just a brief overview of the uh, the corporate average fuel economy standards. What are the standards designed to do, and could you just give a brief history of uh, where these regulations came from? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Um, so the corporate average fuel, fuel economy standards, uh, they were basically established in the 70s, in 1975, uh, as part of Im- implementing the Energy Policy and Conservation Act. And they were largely in response to the 1973 oil embargo. So the intent was to reduce oil consumption and reduce possible future fuel shortages, as the OPEC then instilled oil embargo was already limiting oil supplies and spiking up prices. So since then, the standards have been tightened several times, mostly recently in 2016, when they were combined with standards intended to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So the uh, the purpose of CAFE has shifted over time then. As you mentioned, the, uh, the original purpose of them was sort of a national security concern um, over our use of, uh, of fossil fuels. Now it's shifted to more of a concern about emissions. Right. Okay. So I'll just like uh, briefly tell like what the standards are meant to do. So what are they designed to do? So the standards were meant to to set the average uh, new vehicle fuel economy as weighted by uh, the sales that a manufacturer's uh, um, fleet must achieve. So what it does, it just says an entire fleet of vehicles. So every car, truck or SUV that is sold in the United States must meet a certain average gas mileage standard for every year of production. So the expectation was that the CAFE standards would benefit consumers by reducing the total cost of purchasing um, and using cars. So the CAFE was premised on the belief that consumers would not pay more for cars that used uh, less fuel, even if the reduced fuel use more than paid for the initial cost. So instead, CAFE standards saw it a way to sway auto producers to produce higher mileage cars and reduce fuel use despite the the consumer's preferences. The idea was that consumers either do not understand how to incorporate future energy costs into their purchasing decisions, or they uh, focus too much on the higher price of fuel-efficient vehicles, and thus they overlook the long-term savings. So... The argument that the CAFE standards was was that by forcing consumers to purchasing fuel-efficient cars, the standard would save uh, consumers uh, money. One thing, Christina, that I have, have heard, and I'd love to hear your perspective on uh, with your expertise on consumer issues, is that the 
two standard system where there's the the car standard and the and the truck standard for manufacturers actually pushed consumer preference away from sedans and toward uh, things like SUVs. Have you heard that argument? I mean, consumers have demonstrated a preference already for more powerful, and that's you, you already mentioned that for more powerful and heavier cars, you know, that um, accelerate rapidly. But the CAFE standards cannot change consumer preferences. What they can do is they can restrict consumer choices. So consumers choose more fuel-efficient vehicles, when, so cars, when, when they expect the cost of gas to be higher. Uh, and CAFE standards, basically, they were forcing manufacturers to sell cars that are more fuel efficient than those consume, than uh, the consumers would uh, otherwise purchase. Since more fuel efficient vehicles are more expensive, this means that consumers are forced either to pay more for a car with all the attributes they want, like speed, power, etc., or uh, purchase cars that lack some of the other attributes. Can you talk a little bit more about how these regulations uh, specifically impact the lives of the least well-off? Yeah, so um, it, the problem with CAFE is, is that they have largely underestimated right, the cost of the consumers, and they created a lot of uh, high fixed costs that raise prices. Um, and they also, at the same time, they also undermine the incentives to develop a wide range of um, car choices for consumers, and which made uh, cars ultimately like less affordable. So the, the standards have added thousands of dollars to new car prices, and it, it costs consumers at least 3800 per vehicle since 2009, and that's according to a recent study. And what it does is pricing a lot of uh, the Americans um, out of the new car market altogether. But it's not just the problem of new cars, of the prices for new cars. It's also uh, used cars, the price of used cars that it's being also negatively affected. Uh, affected. Is that because of the increased demand for the used cars that arises because of the higher prices for the new cars? Or why would that be? Right. So you're that's a good point, Jordan. So um, and that's you're totally right, so because the increase in prices of new cars result in consumers on average keeping their cars for longer periods of time. It also causes consumers to choose used cars compared to new cars. Right. And that's for cost reasons. Um, and in that pers- uh, respect, uh, it particularly affected the lower income consumers and those um, that rely, that live in the rural areas and rely on pickup trucks. I think recent data shows that uh, the average uh, price of used uh, pickup trucks has increased by about 25% since uh, only since 2013. So this is something that a lot of low-income consumers can cannot afford. In your article that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you talked 
about uh, the cost aspect of this to consumers that we just sort of discussed, but also the um, impacts that Cafe have had on safety features in cars. C- could you just talk a little bit about that aspect of it as well? So the safety concerns are another, um, I would say, unintended consequences of the Cafe standards. So by increasing the price of the new cars, Cafe standards were incentivizing consumers to keep older cars on the road longer and thus delay upgrades. Um, And right now, the average uh, age of a car on the road is 12 years, which is a record high. So the old age of the cars come with uh, with enhanced risks. So new cars are just simply much, much safer. So these costs to consumers, as well as concerns by some of the auto companies, are uh, part of the reason why the NH, uh, TSA, and the EPA have uh, come together to, to review this. And um, so they're proposing the safer, affordable, fuel-efficient vehicles rule. Can you just outline what uh, what change that is to the CAFE standards and uh, how these this uh, proposed change will affect consumers? Um, right. So this uh, the new safe rule, the safer, affordable, fuel efficient uh, ro- uh, vehicle rule, uh, it would virtually freeze the current CAFE standards. And this action basically respects the consumers focus on uh, car functionality and cost, but it does not roll back on the efficiency of um, or environmental progress that was already made. So um, the safe rule is ex- expected to reduce the average vehicle ownership cost by, I believe, about two thousand um, dollars, reduced car crash fatalities by um, twelve thousand, and that's by two thousand twenty-nine, um, and also cut regulatory costs by two hundred fifty-two billion over a decade. And all these benefits would be made at a minimal increase in uh, uh, greenhouse ga- uh, uh, house uh, emissions. So overall, I, the proposed safe rule is is uh, is a good news for consumers who care about safety, performance, and the fuel economy and the cars they drive. An important point that you made there, and it's an important distinction is that this is a freeze, not a rollback of the standards. Um, our position at IER is that we, we feel as though that these cafe standards in general, that we could just do away with them. Um, but I, I've seen this described um, in media outlets and stuff as a rollback. So that distinction is very important for people who are concerned about this issue. Right. It, it, exactly. So it, it is important that this, um, the, so the current standards would, would just freeze. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a rollback. Um, so under current standards, the standard is scheduled to leap way to 54.5 uh, MPG by 25, which is nearly doubling the sta- the current standard, right? And these are especially st- stringent standards that will ultimately uh, negatively uh, impact the consumer. The argument has been put forward that the rate of the increases in in these standards are outpacing uh, what's technologically feasible um, right now and in the the near future. 
So is, is that a legitimate concern um, among the companies and people who are sort of stakeholders in these regu- regulations? Or is it m- more so just the uh, trade-off that you've discussed here um, in terms of costs and safety and things? Manufacturers will show that they have the ability to innovate without having these kind of uh, th- these uh, s- stringent uh, regulation. And um, I mean, after all, um, it's going to be uh, the market deciding, right? What's what's important, what's benefiting the consumer, and that's actually so. That's one of the problems with the with the current standards is is that they still reflect the 1970s uh, worldview, right? And that's the reason why we we have to be skeptical about their efficiency. You mentioned the 1970s worldview, and at that point in global politics and in an energy uh, politics, there was the, the mindset of energy scarcity being a grave concern. We've, we've since realized that uh, the United States, among other countries, sits atop vast petroleum resources that have allowed the price to be a lot lower than people probably predicted it would be at this point. Um, so in that context, there is actually less of an incentive for uh, the consumer to, to choose a fuel efficient vehicle because energy is, is fairly cheap. Um, and that's where this other prong comes in, which is the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, can you talk about those two, um, those two priorities at all? And why they seem to have now come under an umbrella uh, together and what the Trump administration is doing to um, perhaps take them back into separate considerations. So, so initial, the original CAFE standards, right, they sought to um, drive car, uh, car innovation, but that's just to uh, curtail fuel consumption, right? Um, and to... Um, and and the current standards have been expanded to address the emissions of uh, greenhouse gases. So in the process, the the standards have become increasingly complex, and that rain that raises a lot of issues, uh, because now they they ju- they've become increasingly complex and administratively burdensome, but they um, raise legitimate questions with regards to um, their suitability to achieve fuel efficiency and uh, achieve also uh, and uh, their environmental objectives um, as well. This past week, GM called for a zero emissions program. Um, so I could imagine people um, hearing this proposal and, and asking, well, if the, the companies that are being that are going to be impacted by these regulations, if they're calling for an escalation of them, essentially, uh, why should we be considering this if if the companies don't feel like they're going to be harmed by it? So, um, on how you how would you respond to somebody who uh, who proposed that? So, I mean, first of all, I cannot speak on behalf of General Motors or any other car manufacturer. I mean, after all, they should be uh, free to. Uh, diversify as they wish. I mean, it's their prerogative. But that said, forcing all other manufacturers to go electric, I mean, will ultimately backfire on the consumers. Giving consumer choices, consumers choices in the market is what is important 
and policies that bias those choices are ultimately and will ultimately not benefit consumers. I mean, it, I would just say like let let the electric uh, technology and price point compete against uh, their products, you know, and other products. Something that we uh, discuss here at IER and pride ourselves on is that we are we like you are we're oriented toward the consumer not toward the companies and it, it can be the case that they they can be at odds as as you explore in your work at times alex yeah that's certainly the case uh when i see auto companies call for an escalation of reg- regulations like cafe on uh, makes me think a lot about the history of these companies and the extent that they at times have wanted to sort of limit competition competition entering the auto market um, and you know setting a, a high standard for fuel efficiency or calling for a zero emissions program uh, a lot of these things it makes it very costly to be able to enter this market as a as a new company competing so it's a sort of a ancillary concern. So, Christina, uh, other than CAFE, you just recently joined the American Consumer Institute. Uh, is there anything else that you guys are working on there that's energy-related that uh, IER's audience here might be interested in? Uh, yes, so we're, um, I'm glad you're asking, because uh, we're currently, we've been hosting, but we're going to develop um, our Lost Economy uh, program which is pretty much an independent research program, but it seeks to identify um, regulations and and public policies as well and um, and and see how uh, and measure basically how they impede private enterprise and delay investments, deter market entry. And by so what we're, what we're trying to do with this new project is to look at the adverse effects of these regulations on, public policies um, and uh, state economic output, employment earnings, jobs, etc. So we're trying to bring the consumer angle and see what these regulations and how they specifically affect consumers. And energy projects will be one of our focuses. So stay tuned. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. So, Christina, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me.